Oh, the aha moment for new digital asset investors. So this article is written by a guy named Jeff Dorman, who's a CFA that I've been following on Twitter for a few years now. And basically, he's been talking to, you know, investors for the last five years. And apparently, the conversations that they're having about new digital assets are progressing more over the last three months than any point within the last five years. So just some numbers to start off. Bitcoin was down 1.8% week over week, generally in line with the crypto subsectors, including, you know, smart contract platforms, DeFi, Web3 and gaming. The only subsector that posted a positive gain week over week is the privacy sector, which was up almost 14%. And Luna is the only crypto in the top 19 that's positive posted a positive year-to-date return and Adam is the next closest off of the all-time high. So Adam's 37% off all-time highs. Luna's only seven. So there's something to say about it's not if you're investing in crypto right now, it's what you're invested in because everything is kind of fluctuating sideways, if not downwards. So it really pays to do your research and get into projects that, you know, continue to grow and provide updates and stick to their roadmaps. And yeah, well, you know, it's kind of interesting because it is showing some correlation, right? Like if you look at it from like a year to date, like you were almost everything is down quite mm-hmm. a bit. Like there is some pretty strong correlation between Bitcoin and, and the overall market. But then you do have a couple outliers, like you're saying with like Luna. So, and it, like you're, like you mentioned, it, it shows the importance of really doing your due diligence, researching these different crypto assets, um, and kind of understanding what the value prop is. Because in my eyes, Luna is one of the few tokens that has a very strong value prop and value accrual. So it actually doesn't surprise me to see that it's doing well even in a downward market, um, just because when when you get into these markets where everything's kind of in the lows and everyone's in that bearish mode, you, you look for things that actually accrue value and it's not so much based on speculative values. And I think Luna kind of does that. Um, although speculative, it, it appears that it actually has some sort of value accrual just because it's backed by either UST or the fact that you can, the supply is shrinking, which inherently will raise the price as long as there's buy pressure. So um, that's just kind of my two cents that I noticed, but I'll let you kind of keep on moving through the article because I know there's a lot more to discuss, but I did want to point out there's quite a bit of correlation in the overall markets, although it is starting really to is. seem like it's splitting a little. Well, yeah, and that kind of just before we get into anything else, I know that in the past, you know, everything, the past couple of years, the news tried to portray it as like, oh, this is a hedge to the stock market or it could be used as this for that. But everything is a little bit more correlated than we would like to admit at the Completely moment. Completely agree. Which is what we're kind of working towards diverging from. But, you know, that's a slow process since the traditional markets have been up for so long. Exactly. All right. So um, it just goes on. Obviously, the article is titled The Aha Moment. So I'm just going to talk about some different aspects of crypto and, you know, company bases that their investors are seeing differently now. So with stakeholder alignment, uh, digital assets are the greatest form of capital formation and customer bootstrapping that has ever really been seen in business because it fully aligns all the stakeholders from the customers to founders to passive token holders. So the example they use is McDonald's customers are rarely McDonald's shareholders and the shareholders aren't necessarily the target demographic of McDonald's. But in the digital asset world, the bridge is gapped because the customers are encouraged and incentivized to be token holders. 
which sparks motivation to help the company grow because they're being paid kind of quasi equity wise for their efforts. Um, DoorDash and Airbnb are examples where this wasn't the case, but it could be said that if they had recapitalized with tokens sold or given away early access to customers, their success could have been even faster and more remarkable. Um, one of the interesting ones I saw was token structure. So it brings up that, you know, imagine if Amazon Prime's customer loyalty and utility functions were combined into one entity with Amazon stock, meaning financial upside via profits, the membership would receive benefits that could continue to improve over time in addition to 20% of top line revenue. This is basically what Binance did with their BNB token because the holders started getting member benefits starting with, you know, 5% discounts for trading to using BNB as collateral to trade derivatives. But they also got rewards uh, in the form of kind of loosely pay down tokens in the form of a buyback. So this is basically one of the strongest reasons they point out that Binance is now worth over $300 billion is due to the incentive structure that they utilized, you know, not from the early going, but pretty early on. What do you think about that, Max? I mean, I think that's an interesting point. I like how they use the McDonald's example because it's actually a very clear example of what they're talking about. When there's no incentive to align the user with your product or platform, then you're going to have, you know, this fraction of of your your user versus your investor. And that McDonald's example has made it very clear to me. It's kind of my aha moment in a way um, because you can see, like, you're right. Most McDonald's people are going to McDonald's aren't the ones who are investing in McDonald's. And most people investing in McDonald's probably aren't the ones eating theirs often. Right. But like you said, if you can align incentives, that could change. If, if And that's kind of what, if you think about it, that's a lot of what, these companies are doing in in the normal market um if you look at like mcdonald's or any of these fast food restaurants almost every one of them has an application now that you can download and go get deals um it links your to your customer account so it can you know give you a reward program and track your orders um and they're getting data out of that which is valuable to them and then you get rewards for providing that data um, so they're doing this in a way, it's just the trade-off is a little, little different. Instead of equity in a token, you're giving up your data to these companies. Exactly. Um, and, and I do like like what you're saying before with BNB as well, is that a lot of these successful tokens have found ways to incentivize their users. Um, I know you use the Brave browser. Um, that's oh, yeah. another perfect example of, you know, one of these applications or, or pro- protocols that uses incentivization of the user to use the product to continue to make them to use the product and stay or, or and continue to help adopt that product or help others adopt it. And so without that incentivization, I don't know if you ever would have gone to the Brave browser. Maybe you do, maybe you don't, or maybe you don't stick around as long, but pro- providing that incentive is what really keeps you wanting to come back and building that kind of relationship with the product where you feel a personal attachment to it where you want to go promote it. You want people to talk about it in a positive way. So I yeah, that's, that's what a, I took from it. No, that's an amazing example because I didn't even think about that. And yeah, I've been using the Brave browser for what seems like the better part of four years. And what got me was the monthly reward structure where they give back back to you. But I haven't even checked my Uphold account in probably three years just because I like the Brave browser so much now. I don't even use it for the rewards. I use it because I like it. So yeah, no, that was that was an amazing pull. And then the last thing, uh, last thing I really wanted to touch on was 
um, you know, their new digital asset investors are looking into yields in digital assets, and those can kind of come from two different places. So one is a shortage of working capital in the ecosystem. So all of the money printing and reverse repo that has led banks and lenders to be flush with cash hasn't trickled into the digital asset ecosystem yet. So essentially, it's cash starved, despite cash being more than abundant in the space. So with fragmented exchanges and liquidity, market makers are always looking for capital to make deeper markets. And it leads to high lending rates and steep curves and options and so on and so forth. But the second, which we are big fans of, are rewards. So token issuers reward early participation in the network, usually with equity-like rewards in the form of their token. So two decades ago, Facebook famously tried to get all of its customers to post 10 posts and follow 10 friends to try and get what they call sticky customers. Um, they did everything they could, but Facebook didn't reward the users for this actions. Essentially, like Facebook does with everything, they just trick the people into action via little growth hacks. But, you know, you imagine today, if those actions could be incentivized by giving power users Facebook shares, and it kind of, yeah, like you were talking before, you want sticky customers. So the way I look at it, it's a Venn diagram. Like with the McDonald's example, you have shareholders and you have their demographic. And in that middle overlapping part are their sticky customers that are both invested and are in their demographic and go. And I mean, if you can get as many customers into that centerpiece as possible, you're you're in a good place, I think. Yeah, and, and I'd almost argue that at the same time, it's, it's one of those things where if, if the people want, want to to you know promote the network or promote the product on their own, they'll they'll already do that. So to get those extra people that you're saying that are either in the middle or or maybe outside and aren't you know on the side of where they want to promote a product or feel attached to it, those need, those people need to be incentivized. Think about like a survey. If you want some people to fill out a survey or you want, you know, some traction, you offer some sort of incentive, whether that be a gift card or some monetary incentive to get them to want to fill out your survey, right? Without that incentive, they won't do it because there's no benefit to them. And that's kind of what I think a lot of these companies are realizing is if we're all offering the same product or a similar product or service, then what differentiates us from everyone else? And that's going to be how you incentivize your users because, when you have so many options as a user, you're going to look for a couple of things like which one has the best user experience and which one's the most profitable or beneficial to me personally. Or at least that's how I look at a lot of stuff. And I know a lot of people are similar in the sense that they're, they're a bit selfish when they think about certain things, um, especially with their investments. And I think that's okay. But, but yeah, it's one of those things where without that incentive, why would I choose your platform? Why would I choose your product? So whatever protocols can come up with the the best incentive structure that doesn't hinder the company or the protocol those are the ones that are going to probably see the most success and we've kind of seen the, the the roadmap laid out by for example Binance being one of them um, I think there's definitely improvements that can be done on exchanges like Binance but clearly they've won over a lot of the consumer base um, and and a lot of it has to do with how they incentivize their token and we right. saw that in the growth of the price action and the growth of the the uh, Binance economy. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of crazy to see that take off as much as it did over the last few years. But they're doing they're doing something right. Absolutely. So you want to? Uh, yeah, I was just going to transition over to uh, my article, which I think you were 
about to suggest the same. So this one is, isn't too, too in-depth. It's just more or less I wanted to just cover it because I think it's important that we do focus on some of the important issues going on in the world, like the Ukraine and Russia conflict. Um, so this, this second article was about uh, the Ukrainian government uh, basically la- launching a donation website, and they partnered with a few of the larger crypto exchanges, um, FTX and Kuna. And then they also partnered with Everstake, which is a, a staking platform. Um, and and I don't know if if you guys recall, but I think it was a few weeks ago the the government, the Ukrainian government had a tweet out that basically provided a few contract addresses that you could send some crypto to to help support Ukrainians in the war. Um, they've since kind of used this platform with FTX and Kuna and Everstake to make this more of an official, um, I guess, a, 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 more of an official. I guess I can't come up with the word I'm looking for here, but basically what they're doing is trying to make this more of a streamlined approach. So it's easier for people to donate, know who they're donating to and making sure that that money, that crypto being donated or or fiat is actually getting to the Ukrainians in need. Um, So I think it was Monday, the Ukrainian ministry of digital transformation um, said they launched aid for Ukraine is what they're calling it. And it's basically just a platform that accepts donations. And this can be in multiple different tokens, um, they have Bitcoin, Ethereum, Tether, Polkadot, Solana, Dogecoin, Monero, Icon, and Neo were the ones mentioned in the article. Um, so for those who are looking to donate and want to do it privately, you have the option of Monero. Otherwise, you can use any of these other um, options to send money over to Ukraine to support the war. Or I guess not the war, really support the, the people of Ukraine more than anything. Um, and so far, they've donated almost $50 million dollars. And that's about 25% of their total $200 million goal. Um, and what they've said is that the funds will be sent to the National Bank of Ukraine and it'll be for ammunition and necessities to support the country, um, their armed forces and their humanitarian efforts, as well as their programs. Um, but yeah, so I just wanted to point that out because I think it's important that if you do have any spare change or, or have or want to contribute to you know, helping the people of Ukraine, this is a great way to do it. Um, and now they have an official platform with this uh, aid Ukraine or you. Yes. So anyway, that's all I wanted to point out in that article. I thought, like I said, it's important to, to note and that people are aware of places they can go to help out if they are interested. 100%. And I think that it's great that they set up this singular endpoint instead of having multiple wallet addresses and tweets with different information because that was my biggest thing like a week week and a half ago is i always just think about scammers and hackers and how devious they are and how they were probably popping up and taking people's donations without them knowing so this is definitely a needed step and you know now everything is a little bit safer a little more straightforward for the common person to you know send over some crypto but um yeah man it's it's you know, uh, obviously a sad thing going on and every donation counts. So, you know, if you smoke, instead of having that smoke, go donate 10 bucks to Ukraine. If you're buying groceries, don't buy a pizza, send 10 bucks to Ukraine. Yep. Yeah. And it's really up to you. It's no obligation, but if you, if anyone's interested, there's definitely ways to do it. Um, that's all I wanted to point out. Also shout out to Kraken, um, the exchange they've offered to send a thousand dollars to every user who creates a account in Ukraine before it was March 9th, so that was about last week. And I think the board Ape 
yacht clubs that it would match up to $1 million of Ethereum donations. So shout out to both of those groups. Um, awesome stuff. But uh, mainly thanks to everyone who listened in or is listening um, to our podcast afterwards. This is another Daybreak Crypto. And uh, we're happy to have you guys along. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Later, folks.